Toto. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. You're listening to Out of Oz, a podcast from Building 28 Church. Of Oz. Welcome back to another episode of Out of Oz. My name is Peter Tragos, your host, and with me as always is Aaron Curran, the pastor of Building 28 Church. Fun topic for today, Pete. Can't wait. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, first, <laughs> on, on the uh, uh, returning guest, friend of mine uh, from the Tampa area. You live in Tampa? Wesley Chapel? Wesley Chapel. Wesley Chapel, yeah. okay. Jimmy Trents, he is with Hearts on counseling. That's right. Um, I wanted to say Hillsong counseling. Yeah, it's not it's Hillsong different. counseling. Yeah, that's different. That's a different Sometimes ministry. I sing when I counsel, but <laughs> there you go. But Hearts on counseling and uh, Jimmy. Uh, just want to let the cat out of the bag. Jimmy has a lot of resources on the topic. We are addressing the topic of pornography today, and is it really a big deal? Like it's been made out to be a big deal for the last thirty years in. 40 years, 50 years in Christianity. I mean, really since the rise of pornography. Um, and then especially since, I guess, in the last 20 years, there's been a shift, at least from my research, in, in pornography. So the church is always taking this adamant stance against it, but is that really just birthed out of conservative values? and Or is it really a biblical biblical issue? And so Jimmy has a lot of resources on this. Can you direct, Jimmy, uh, where, where people can find those? Yeah, sexaddictedchristian.com. Okay. Yeah, so that's, that's the website. Uh, I've got I've got videos for days up there that are tackling all kinds of stuff from marriage and porn, masturbation, whether or not that's something we should or shouldn't do. Uh, the list goes on. But yeah, so that's there. And then you can also get a, uh, I've got like a free guide. So the four pillars of a porn free life there. So sexaddictedchristian.com forward slash freedom. If you want to download that, it's free. Yeah, there's a lot of free resources. You said there's a there's an email list. Yep, that somebody so, can yeah, join. It, yep. So the we'll kind of do that email. Put your email right yeah. there at that at that uh, URL, and I'll send you the guide, and then keep you updated on the weekly content. So, cool. so I don't expect this to be a very light episode, um, and so this might be the only semi light moment. But already we've had listeners to Out of Oz go. I was listening to this with my kids, and like you mentioned yeah. Santa Claus, or you you mentioned something, you mentioned a swear word in the cursing episode or whatever. Sure. Um, this is probably not an episode you're going to want to listen to around your kiddos and have just playing throughout the house. Maybe if you're ready to have that conversation with them, but yep. probably not. So a little disclaimer there. Um, but anyway, take it away, Pete. So I guess what we really want to get into today is what is the problem with porn? Right. So we know it's prevalent more now than ever, more free, easy access. And speaking of your kids can fall into yep. it very easily on YouTube. I think the average age is like six or seven now when they're first introduced to porn wow. in the United States. Okay. So, so it's, easy. I mean, that that's problematic for, if you don't think that's problematic, maybe we can do a different podcast on that. Sure. But Parenting just, I mean, episode. yeah, we're really talking about for adults. You know, I mean, I, I think we're talking about, is it even a problem for adults even in marriage in a sexually active relationship or before you get married, before you're having sex with your wife, is it okay to look at porn and masturbate so that you don't want to have sex with other girls? I hear that all the time. Yeah. We're going to get into what the problems are in Christianity for, for a Christian, how that can affect your Christian walk, but also just psychologically. And if there are generally agreed upon problems with porn. And we have non-Christians who have been tuning in and listening. We've heard from some of them. That's great. Obviously, we have to come 
at this from a Christian worldview. Right. Like we're Christians here. That is our and worldview. And so, so that is our worldview. We sure. can't come at it any other way. But we also hear from our non-Christian friends, our non-Christian listeners and viewers, that there's a, the diversity of opinion on some of this. And so we, we're going to also, I hope, address what, you know, so you're not a theist or you're not a biblicist. Mm-hmm. What, what are the arguments surrounding the good use of porn? Right. So, and, and Jimmy, we'll start with you. I'm sure, sure you've had people talk to you. I mean, they come to you and they realize it's a problem at that point, I, I assume. But what are some of the arguments people make as to why they think porn's really not that bad or porn is even good for them or they useful for them for some reason? Yeah, I rarely hear, I mean, I don't know what you guys are hearing, but I rarely hear that from Christians, right? right? Most yep. Christians that come to me are coming to me looking for help with their porn use. Let's just call it, let's just put in a category of sex addiction or porn addiction that might need to be defined at some point here in terms of addiction. We like to define things here because yeah. we've realized that's where people miss a lot of yeah, these definitely. Topics, but I, but I, Yeah, so I, I think for the most part, and we'll, we, can, we can do that at some point, but I think for the most part, Christians are coming to me with a great sense of guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they don't know what to do with that. And that shame, that guilt is what really at the end of the day is keeping them trapped in behaviors that they don't want to do. So we might instead of using addiction, if that's too strong of a word, because people don't want to be labeled that, we might just say sexually unwanted behavior might be a yep. way to like categorize and bring everyone into the conversation. I was going to say, and it also takes out the person that feels like they're not watching porn for 10 hours a day because that's what they think of addiction. Sure. You know? Yeah. I mean, I like to think, I, I ask, I, if you come to me and you're in a, any kind of habitual rhythm that you're doing these things that you don't want to do, then that categorizes in some way as habit or or addiction, right? So it could yeah. be once a month, could be once a week, could be once a day. Yeah. I'm not sure if you came across this or you've seen this, Jimmy, but um, Samuel Perry, he's a professor of sociology at University of Oklahoma, came out with a really great resource. I actually read most of it yesterday, um, perused to this book on pornography use in America. And uh, one of the quotes that jumped out to me was he said, what I found, this was kind of his, his conclusion, what I found in research across America is that whatever we think pornography is doing, and there's a diversity of opinion on what it's doing, those effects tend to be amplified when we're talking about conservative Protestants to, to Jimmy's point of a lot of shame, a lot of guilt. So he's saying he's found this because he, he basically surveyed people all around America, thousands of people. And he said, um, whatever it's doing, we're seeing an amplification of that in conservative Protestants. So that's probably a majority of our listeners are more conservative Protestants. And he says this, it seems to be uniquely harmful to conservative Protestants' mental health, their sense of self their own identities, certainly their intimate relationships in ways that don't tend to be as harmful for people who don't have that kind of moral problem with it. Mm. And so I think right away, uh, you know, Pete, you asked, what do we hear as excuses for why it's okay? And tethered to that is the very legitimate question. Should Christians feel guilt about this? Like, should they be so beaten down and, and morally downtrodden about this. After all, perhaps um, porn use is helping them focus, right, at, at work or in, in their career. It's helping them to be faithful in marriage. Um, these are the arguments. I haven't heard too many like Jimmy because I think there's this preconceived notion in, in Christianity that porn is bad. And so I haven't heard a lot of defense of it, but I have watched a lot of listen to a lot of podcasts, watch a lot of video on this subject. 
And this is what we hear is that it actually uh, helps me to not be in toxic relationships. It helps me to, to not end up with the wrong girl because if I'm not like sex starved, then I don't end up with the wrong girl. Um, you've probably heard this from some of your buddies, some of your friends. I don't have too many friends, even non-Christian friends who are going to argue for the use of this. But these are some of the things that we hear. It's not that damaging, especially if you don't become addicted to it. Now, that's a very broad term, too, because most people will not acknowledge addiction, even if they're in addiction to something. We see that with social media particularly, but pornography is, is is a big issue that, like, I've never had, I don't think I've ever had a guy yet who they admit they watch porn, but they'll also admit they're addicted to it. Like of all the guys I've counseled yeah. in 18 years of ministry and talked through with this, and it's been a lot. I People mean, have that issue with everything. Yeah, yeah. But, so they don't want to admit be. that. Yeah. And so what they'll say is if I'm not addicted to it, if it's not dominating my life, if it's not engulfing my out like like five hours a day of porn use, and it's just kind of helping me focus and it's not hurting anybody, like um, I think we can kind of focus on that too. So, because so that's, I think it's easier to see if you are watching porn for 10 hours a day like there's there's other problems not just porn but sure. just like general problems with if you're sacrificing all this other stuff in your life to do one thing for 10 hours a day whether it's even playing computer games or whatever people do but just porn at all w- what is the problem with it and why why is it such a big issue for Christians and for people generally because it's not just men people used to think it was just men right but it's it's not just men anymore definitely not one in um, three i saw important research. important important yeah. statement to make for the listeners like because women are carrying a double shame uh christian women are carrying a double shame with that and so i just you know i've got lots of friends now that i've been spending more time trying to help in this arena that are women that are like no one's writing or speaking about right. the women that need help with this. Right. Yeah. So if you're a woman out there listening to this, like, hey, look, remove the shame of being a woman that struggles with it because it's it's happening. So Aaron, what what are some of the because you said you did some researchers found some stats on on some of this. What what are the what does the research say about porn use? Is it in America and the world, or what does it say about it? Is it is it even as prevalent as people think? So I mean, it's always shocking when I pull up some of this stuff. So. Some of the things I saw, and you guys might know this in our list. You've used uh, so many like statements that are making me laugh for double meaning since it's the porn episode. Like uh, you're like, man, it's when I pull up some of this stuff, it is so shocking. Okay, so not when I, I don't pull up <laughs> pornography. Okay? You, you, I, I don't believe when our research should extend to use of this. So, okay. so no, um, when I pull up research on this right. and statistical information, it's shocking um, that pornographic sites make up, I think, 30 to 35% of downloads now. Hmm. And one out of every four searches on Google is a porn search. It, there is more traffic on porn sites than, let me, let me get this right. I want to make sure I'm right on this. Than Amazon, Netflix, and Twitter combined. Mm-hmm. Um, so we say that again. There's more what? There's more traffic. Oh, traffic. Internet traffic on porn sites. Wow. Than Netflix, Amazon, and Twitter combined. That it brings in an annual revenue more than the NBA, MLB, and NFL combined. Wow. Like more revenue. Mm-hmm. Um. Like this, I mean, these are these are things. To Jimmy's earlier point, while you have a, a large majority of men, and I, I don't know if I have those statistics, Jimmy might, that admit porn use and that are addicted to porn, and the highest majority of them are ages thirty-five to forty-nine, I guess. So kind of that midlife crisis point, but but of course, younger people are very addicted to it as well. Seventeen percent of women in America, according to research conducted last year, admit not just watching but addicted to pornography. Wow. So seventeen percent, one out of three porn users is a woman. So that's still 65, 67 percent of, of porn users are men, though. So it is a we've been it's 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 ironic that we've been dealing with a pandemic uh, in America this year because porn 
is truly the pandemic that has for mm. for the last. And I two, assume the pandemic has just enhanced people. Yeah, yeah, even and more. You put home, people in isolation; they're working from home now, right. and so it's even more. And so on and on this goes. I mean, there's two hundred thousand Americans are classified as porn addicts now, and that's just those who admit that and and receive that classification. Forty million Americans in a country of three hundred thirty million regularly visit porn sites and many of them with no shame whatsoever. Um, even Christians, like though they bring that shame to a counselor, to a pastor. But I think if they're honest, they've gotten so accustomed to that visitation of porn that there's very little personal shame, at least from the ones I encounter. I'll say that from the ones I encounter, it's shameful to admit it to somebody else. It's not shameful in the moment. Like right. that this is, that this is happening. And so we could go on with this, but, but, but the question it, it, it is, is why though, right? Like yeah. that's the question. Like, why is it why should someone feel that shame? Yeah, exactly. Right? I think so that's like, we okay, the stats to. are there, but yep. I mean, we still haven't really answered the question. Lots of people are looking at porn. Does that matter? I think that's the important piece in this. I mean, certainly I've got friends, so I'm real, like, I'm real open with my friends in the neighborhood that aren't Christians and they know what I do and they know the website that I run and, um, and they've got their own criticisms about it in terms of whether or not, like, what, what's wrong with it? I've got people attacking me on on uh, comments in the YouTubes and, and whatever in yeah. terms of, you know, telling me, it's like, look, it's we were designed to have sex. I eat, I drink, I have sex. It's like a normal thing. So why are you going to deny me those things? And so I think that they're, they're really, it's going to be hard for us to have a conversation that satisfies the person who doesn't share a worldview of Christianity with us in terms of morality, right? Because yeah. I'm not, I mean, I can make some arguments in terms of the links to human trafficking, uh, se Definitely. child sex exploitation. How it can affect your relationship. Yeah, it's the relationships or, I mean, but they might argue that it helps, right? So, right, I mean, exactly. so many but I'm people just saying use... we, psychologically speaking, I think he's going to bring in some stuff that it does affect, it can have a negative effect on your relationship, whether you're a Christian or not. It can, but to Jimmy's point, like some people some, argue that it has a people, positive effect. Oh, yeah, people be like, oh, I it agree. actually helps my relationships or it, it like, like we said, they it, use it, it for it, foreplay. It helps me to right. focus or how dare you say that because I watch porn that I might become somehow involved in sex trafficking, you know, like right. that, that, Re uh, that reaction to it and but so, it doesn't yeah. mean that though right like it doesn't yeah. okay so so rick down the street is looking at pornography but it, he doesn't look at child porn and he's right. not gonna hire a prostitute or get in some kind of sex trafficking ring but what's happening is the industry is being supported yeah and the industry is what's creating a cultural kind of movement in terms of those things you don't know you're i mean someone gets into a porn, I mean, people are getting into pornography, they'll look, they'll search here and it's three hours later, they've hit 22 different websites and 75,000 images. I mean, yeah. do you know where those images were brought from? Like, do you, I mean, all of that stuff is connected deeply into different aspects of this cultural and this dark market that's happening. And you're supporting it. Yeah. Well, I didn't pay for it. Well, yeah, but the ads paid right. for it that are there. Don't and like, Facebook either. it's all being like, it's all growing in that regard. Yeah. And so just by simply entertaining it, you're connecting to that. Secondly, I mean, it's, there's a dehumanization that's happening with yeah, pornography. Definitely. I mean, it's just dehumanizing the person. I don't want to support, I don't want to follow an, I mean, what do we, we got to define it too, right? I don't want to follow an Instagram account of a girl that, is trying to sell CBD oils. I don't know when you guys are doing the marijuana episode here, but <laughs> yeah. CBD oils, Soon. but all of her pictures of her, of her, her in a bathing suit, 
right? Because she knows that's going to get likes and traffic. Right. right. And so she, now she's exploiting herself for something else. I, I don't want to support that. That's what's happening in the in the porn industry is you're you're supporting a whole worldview of people that are using sex in a way that dehumanizes their value. Yeah, yeah I think, and that's one of the other problems with like the social media age is it's so easy to be disconnected from everything you do. Like, I'm not making her post pictures in her bikini. Like she's choosing to do that and I'm liking yeah. it to just be nice to her. But no, then then that like makes her do it again and then exactly. she does it again. And now she's become someone that's, selling her body on Instagram for dudes to look at and hopefully one day buy her CBD oil or whatever. But even if she's not, she doesn't care if you buy the CBD oil because just the fact that you showed up at her page and liked it, those companies are going to pay her more money to put the ads out on her page. So she's going to keep doing that. And it's just the cycle. It scales out. Yeah. And it's the same thing with porn. Like you're, you know, we've heard these stories of some of these porn actresses or I, I don't know if I've heard any of the actors, but they get like abused and it's horrible and they're like slaves, they're like sex slaves and whatever. And it's like, oh man, that sounds like miserable. But every time you watch a video, every time you're on the sites, like it's just enhancing the feeling that that's how they can make their living. It's becoming more normal. It's becoming less shameful to be in porn or watch porn like yeah. we're talking to. And I think those are even some of the non-Christian issues with porn is that you are aiding and enhancing and, and helping yeah. these industry and these people go down a path that you know is is destructive for them. Like you wouldn't want, it's, I, I still think we're at a place where you wouldn't want your daughter or your wife or your sister to be in porn. You know, like yeah. I think we're at least still there and yet you're supporting this and you're- Not for long though. You think? I mean, I, I just think that I guess. with the relativism of everything that's coming down the, the pipeline in our country, how how can you argue against that for long? If, if your child is it was born a a man a boy, and at age seven or eight they want to be a female, and we're condoning that, what's to stop them from saying, "Hey, I I want to I want to have sex as a seven or eight year old"? No, like, I agree with that. You know, I definitely and, think and even is and even what's to stop them a parent like if they're going to be consistent, which there's a lot of inconsistency, what's going to stop them from saying, "Hey, my." My child wants to, hey, they want to stay the same gender they're born with, so that's cool, mm -hmm. but they want to be a porn star. Like, who's who's to save? And that's that's for our non-Christian. So what I want to do is I want to just take a second and for the non-Christian or maybe even the Christian who justifies porn use, because we're going to get into, and I think it's very important we get into the biblical sure. mandates around this. But I want to lay out, two, well, two things. I want to lay out please contribute as much as you guys like what sociologists and psychologists are saying is wrong from a non-Christian perspective, but also how that points us toward, or our listener today, who's not a Christian toward the need for a moral absolute. Like that, there's a need for that. So I was listening to Joe Rogan and I like Joe Rogan. He's funny. Never heard of him. Um, really? <laughs> the Joe Rogan experience? Uh, no, he, uh, no. I was listening to him on this issue of pornography on a couple of his episodes and and he defends it. And, and Joe Rogan is um, a whimsical guy, funny guy, like manly man, really preaches discipline a lot in areas of life, but he's an ardent anti-theist. So as I'm listening to him, I, if I'm honest with you, I'm going, Joe, how can you, like you're preaching as if trying to proselytize people toward di discipline, but how can you argue that, that discipline is even right? Or wrong if there's no absolute in the world. Like if there's, you can't say that's right or wrong. It's just right for you. Like you just, and so if I want to be undisciplined, you can't look down on me for that or condemn me for that. And that's the problem that exists with somebody who's coming at this from a very neutral, or at least what they would claim neutral perspective of, I don't see anything wrong with it personally. Like, do we submit ourselves to any higher law? And so 
There's been ongoing research with pornography that has been conducted, particularly in the last 20 years, because I guess around 2000 to 2005, there was a big shift where pornography became very violent, is what mm -hmm. I've read, um, became a lot of choking and, mm -hmm. and, and gagging and so forth going on. And so what happened was now sociologists, psychologists, counselors are saying, even non-Christian are saying, that has led to more violence in a marriage relationship yeah. or even in, sure. a, in a dating relationship that that men or even women who are addicted to this think that they're that women start to think hey i need to enjoy this type of activity this type of physical aggression men think hey i need to slap her around in in during a sexual um encounter and so that's one thing that they'll argue well, against and just to jump in so like yeah. that i know that to be true in like when i was in high school which was like 10 years ago or something I or no more than that. Fifteen years ago, golly, I'm getting, I'm getting old. Um, gosh, way more than ten years ago. But like my friends that were in sexual relationships would like would like try to get their girlfriend to yeah. do more stuff that they would like see in porn. Like that was for sure something where they were like learning how to have sex and learning what they should do and trying to talk their girlfriend into it because of porn. Yeah. So like it is an imitation world. That porn leads to how people act it in sexual relationships, yeah. and it nurtures it. It nurtures yeah. it, right? Yeah. So you're, you're, you're. I mean, one thing that we're not doing enough of is talking about sex in the church. Absolutely, oh, I agree right? with yeah. that. Yeah, that's the reality. Is like, so if we're not going to talk about it, which I'm glad we're talking about it. Yeah. How are they? How's anybody going to learn? You're going to learn by what? By reading, look, looking at stuff, and so Your this friends. whole pornography thing is is cultivating, and that's that's part of what you were saying earlier and alluding to is like. The marriages or relationships in general, Christian or non-Christian, married or not married, doesn't matter. And it does matter, but it doesn't matter for the point yeah. is that you're you're going to want to do what you see, right? So you're going to want yeah. to imitate that. So if if I see this here and now the escalated version of that is going to be trying to do it, right? So if I see choking, then maybe that's what I should try. And they say like, oh, this makes it so much better when you do this or whatever. You know, it's like... But okay, then no, I want but, it to be I mean, so much better or whatever. And I've got, I mean, I, look, I work with, I work with people as a counselor that that's my day job. And I mean, I'm working, I, I, I love bringing this up in the counseling room. Like I, we're not going to go four or five sessions without me saying, so tell me about your sex life. Like, how's it going? And people don't talk about it. And then I, as we talk about it though, now all of a sudden I'm hearing that this guy who's been addicted to porn and he's into this kind of porn or whatever, I'm seeing it show up in what he's asking her to do. But this is a shameful, I mean, sex is a shameful place with, since sin has entered the world, right? Yeah. And that's, that's we see they were naked and unashamed. As soon as sin enters the world, they cover up. They don't want to be seen naked, okay? Yep. So marriages, people, like couples don't talk about it. They don't talk about what they, what they like, what they don't like. They're, they're just, they just tough it out. I mean, and so many spouses are just toughing out yep. sex. Right. We'll add on top of that a, a husband or a wife who's trying to imitate something strange right. from what they're seeing. And now it's just, I mean, it's punishing. It's yeah. becoming abusive in ways, but the husband doesn't even know. And so then the wife's trying to communicate, hey, this doesn't feel comfortable to me. He's not, he does, you know, like there's just so much non communication. Yeah. And so I, I do think that when we are taking in a steady diet of pornography in whatever form or fashion, then eventually we're going to try to live that out. Absolutely. And so I think that's what happens and why the sociologists are connecting some of the violent crime potentially to 
people watching porn. So I'm watching this and then I'm going to go, I, yeah. I watch porn and then I'm not trying to like draw too much of a straight line. Yeah, yeah. Never yeah. Somebody, reason here, but it's like I watch porn and then I've become a rapist. Well, yeah. there, there is a, there, I mean, there's something to be said if you study serial rapist, serial killers. They people all, that watch like, child pornography. Bund Bundy admitted, I got my start in porn. Like that's where it started for me. And I'm not, once again, we're not drawing a line that no, no. if you watch porn, you're going to be a serial killer. You will right? get chlamydia and you but, will die. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. No. But, but, but I think that it's, I like thinking about it from this perspective. I know we are going to get into the biblical reasons, which again, for Christians should really tug at you making a change. But even for non-Christians that listen, like to me, this is a weird thing in my head. Like, how do you not have shame and like keep it to yourself that you watch porn? The fact that people so openly and people make fun of me, like when, how they talk and how I act when they talk yeah. about porn. But like, how do you openly talk about the fact that you have porn, think it's totally fine when it's like you think it doesn't make your wife or your husband feel a certain way about these people, how these Absolutely. people look or their body parts, how they're shaped. The and cognitive dissonance. Yeah, right? but it's yeah. like that. You I'm telling you that's it. happening. Yeah. Like but they I'm think not going to, but I'm not going to live there. Yeah. I'm not, I refuse to let your research and stats tell yeah. me that this is what might be happening. And act like it doesn't affect, like so, you search for a certain kind yeah. of girl and that's not the kind of girl your wife is even like race, sure. sex or yeah. gender or not gender, race, age. Yep. like different ages of women, whatever. And you act yep. like it doesn't make you think what's it like to have sex with somebody else besides my wife or I want to have sex with somebody else besides my wife. It's like, how are you putting that together? To me, that just doesn't logically make sense in so our human brain. It's very interesting because, okay, so our listener might be going, all right, it doesn't cause me to act out in violence right. against my wife or my husband. It doesn't, or maybe my wife and husband likes that. I and mean, that's for kind of a different conversation perhaps today of, you know, what's what's permissible inside the marriage bed and and we'll kind of shelf that perhaps for a different day but like you can move on from that okay so there's been very limited study on it right now but a cambridge uh, professor did a lot of study on this um and she came to the conclusion that it does affect the brain like it, it can it can create memory loss um oh. certain certainly when it comes to addiction like it needs to be fed and so just like any drug, it's a drug of the brain. It's a it's a non-substance. Actually, it can lead to substance abuse. Like it has oftentimes led to other substance abuse. But she was saying she reached a conclusion that based upon scanning the brain, I think it was 15 addicts to pornography. It was that she saw in them not only does porn give them that dopamine hit, but yep. because it gives them the dopamine hit they crave more porn so yeah. they can get more of that gratification. Right. And what it does then is it affects relationships. And uh, I think, I think once again, Jimmy, you said on the last episode that you didn't, uh, that you wish you had just like called me out on something that I said that it wasn't right. <laughs> yeah, but I think we're it. going to agree on this, that sex is reserved for the the married couple. Like that's how God intended it. Sure. So when, when you talk about um, a married couple, women are struggling, even women who are like, oh yeah, I'm fine with porn. Then the research comes back. They're struggling with body image. They're struggling with how their husband For views sure. them. Men are struggling with, like you said, comparison to other women, uh, fantasy land thinking. Yeah. Which and, leads to erectile dysfunction. Yeah, I mean, there's kind, all kinds yeah, of like- All kinds of stuff that if you take the position, okay, I don't believe the Bible, loneliness is, is huge. Uh, one study came back last year, said pornography provides temporary relief but ultimately, and this is a non-Christian study, ultimately induces greater feelings of loneliness and isolation, disrupting normal attachment behavior, leading to greater difficulty forming stable, satisfying relationships, and further increasing the likelihood of using pornography as a substitute for intimacy with close others. And I've heard this in marriages, even Christian marriages, where the husband's almost like my wife is, if I'm honest, they're like, my wife is just such a nag. Like, it's just, I have to work for sex, so it's so much easier 
Yeah. To the, just, and the, but not only that, but the wife will off, often get involved in this, uh, what we'll call it an agreement. Yeah. Like, hey, like, as long as I don't for, have to have sex with you. Hundred percent. Like it's like it's like I'm okay with him, you know, looking at pornography and masturbating whenever he needs to because I'm off the hook. Yeah. I mean, there's there's so many issues with that. Yeah, so, right? I mean, and that's so why these are these are all things that we're looking at. And depression, like there's links to depression, anxiety, social anxiety, mood disorders, sex addiction, substance abuse, memory problems. Like these are all things that are even extra biblical that are pointing us to the reality. And so many professionals that aren't Christian to the reality. This is a massive problem. It's causing. Um, men who watch porn are at least twice as likely to end up in a divorce. Women who watch porn are three times as likely mm. to end up in a divorce. So even if you, which we all agree you shouldn't do, but even if you remove the Bible from the equation, like it's hard to make the case that this is harmless. This is okay. Sure. Right. This is safe. I'm not hurting anybody. There yeah. is destruction being caused through porn use, even outside of a biblical construct. Right. And I think, I mean, I just, it's, it's, almost like trying to get honesty out of people is really hard with this subject because they want to hold on to it so bad. They want it For to sure. not be that bad or not have this effect on them because they like it. It's easy. It gives, but it makes you like, I, I have friends that are still single that I think this attributes to that. And it's like harder for them to have normal relationships or talk to girls or even have relationships where they're not having sex with their girlfriend. You know, like this makes it harder. It's hard enough to do that. Yeah. Okay. As we can all remember what it was like. That is so hard. And then you introduce this where you're masturbating to people having sex all the time. That just makes it harder. Like it just, this just throws a huge wrench, especially if you're a Christian guy. And and I, I have no problem. Like I've watched porn before, right? And it's wrong. Made me have feelings of shame. Wish I didn't do it. Made Wait, can me you feel clarify? Weird. Like you said, I have no problem. And Sorry. then you just said- I watched porn before. What do you have no problem with? I have no problem I, I admitting clarification. No, sorry. I have no okay. problem admitting yeah, that. Like we're sitting here, we're talking about it today as it's it's wrong, it's it's sinful, right? Yeah. And I have no problem that saying I've done that before, right? So so as we sit here today, it's not like we're sitting on our ivory tower and people think it's it's hilarious because I've never been drunk before, but I don't know what it feels like to be drunk, sure. you know, whatever. But like this is something where it's like you can't argue that this feels normal when you're like sitting by yourself watching somebody else have sex and you're masturbating, pretending I, I like what are you pretending you're having sex or whatever it may be like any description when you actually get down to it, yeah. as opposed to talking about watching porn like this abstract thing, like it's no big deal to watch porn. But like when you get into what it actually is, like it's weird. It warps your brain. And you think weirdly about these situations now. So you as, can't normally explain to me how you sit there and watch yeah. porn like you're watching a basketball so game. So as we're led to the biblical conversation, this is all of this leads to a point that I think is very important. Mm -hmm. And I, I come back to this point with a lot of different issues and subjects. But for the person, whether it's Christian or non-Christian, who who is like, uh, like the Bible, you know, kind of take it or leave it, which it's hard to make the argument that Christian can do that, but whatever. Right. Um, it's hard for for that individual to argue that there's anything inherently absolutely wrong with loneliness then, with isolation, with divorce, with almost any of these ills that we've pointed out that, like I, I, I watch different sociologists who aren't Christian and they're going, oh, this is really, really bad because the man has erectile Why is that? Why, why does that matter? Why is it wrong? Like, why is it wrong? Why is any of this stuff? And they may be like, oh, well, we know it's wrong. How do we know it's wrong? Because there's been a moral standard that is erected. Like you even talk about, this is weird. Why is it weird? Because it's against the natural order that has been designed for us. We don't create that order. We don't create moral absolutes. We submit to 
or we try to deny these moral absolutes, but they still stand. And so when we talk about all these ills that sociologists, psychologists, and, and counselors, and whoever else look at and go, I'm literally watching stuff on YouTube of, of women and men who are doing TED Talks about porn, and yet they're not Christian, or at least it's from all indication. I'm going, how, how can you argue with conviction truly that this is wrong? And so that's one of the things that leads me and hopefully our listeners back to well, there, I have there, an answer. There, need, I think. there needs to be like there has we're submitting ourselves somewhere else. It's fine for everybody. Like none of these things are actually. Well, I think wrong. they would say a lot of people that would argue that porn is no big deal is it affects nobody else. That's what they like to to lean back on is it affects nobody else. Doesn't affect my affect my wife. I'll still have sex with my wife as often as she wants me to. It doesn't affect any of this, that, the other because it's just me by myself watching porn, not bothering anybody, whatever. Sure. That's but the I, difference I mean, between erectile yeah. dysfunction. You know, that affects your wife. Sure. Uh, you know, if you become abusive or whatever it may be, a divorce that affects other people, your wife, your kids, all those things you're talking about, they're trying to point porn back to because porn in and of itself, people like to argue it's just between me and my phone or computer, iPad, whatever, and it doesn't affect anybody else. So what, what's the big deal? Right. Which I think we're trying to make that at least the connection, least make the connection to the fact that there's someone else on the other side of that screen and that's, At the a, whole, very that's least. a whole industry of stuff. So, right. I mean, I think it, so, I mean, I think we probably need to move towards honing in the audience and helping those people that have tuned in because yep, my definitely. assumption is that based on who you guys, who you are and yep. as a church and the people that are most likely right. going to listen to this, you know, there, there are non-Christians out there. We can have that conversation. Maybe some of what we said has helped them. But we've got to hone in on Christians yeah. that are, are are asking that question, like, okay, like, is it is this really bad? What's and the Bible say about? I feel guilty because of the sociological thing yeah. that has been put out. Like, maybe we're doing more damage as as the church because we're giving people mental illnesses, coming like leading to depression because we're saying you shouldn't do certain yeah. things, right? We're yeah. drawing boundaries. But if someone's coming with that kind of shame, that's leading to that kind of depression and they're now being classified as a mental illness because they are so overwhelmed with the emotions they feel when they look at pornography, yeah. then there's a gospel conversation to Absolutely. have. Absolutely. Right. Right. Yeah, definitely. Because it's, you don't need to feel depressed yeah. about this. You can feel convicted. You can feel some sense of guilt and shame, but that should lead you to repentance and faith in Christ that, that covers that shame. That's exactly what God did in the Garden of Eden. He covered their shame. Yeah. This is really what it comes down to and why this doesn't have to be such a bad or depressing or whatever episode is that we should be able to talk about and deal with porn addiction or watching or whatever you want to call it, like Jimmy's getting into and just be like, let's just try to work on it. You know, yeah, my, like we're assumption all sinners. Is, my assumption is that the people listening want to stop. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. the assumption I'm You're making. Right. You're right. And so, so... I want to help them stop. And I yep. think the first thing, the reason that people remain in this behavior is they don't know what to do with their shame. Absolutely. That's it. So once you've realized you have this issue, besides looking at your resources, what, what is something what is something people can do? How can they get started in, in figuring out why it's, I mean, I guess let's get into biblically why it's wrong first. Like we said, we wanted to identify like how this is bad for us, but as image bearers, like this is not the way that we were designed to live. Like sure. we're not deserved, designed to live in isolation and uh, and a lack of intimacy and, and so on. I think there are a lot of Christians who would never try to justify it to a counselor or a pastor, but sure. they'll justify it in their own minds as they sit before their computer screen. And it points us toward a necessity of moral absolutes, which we could get into it later on. But so for me, like as I look at this and there's a lot of places we could go and I don't think there's going to be a ton. I think the 
I think the stereotype has existed even from the 70s and 80s when porn became more prolific with Playboy and everything, and it was softer in its form. And so people in society didn't call it out as much other than Christianity to today, where it's become apparently more graphic and violent, is that that those have existed for a good reason. And it's, it's because if you're really thinking biblically and spirit-led, it's it's impossible to justify this use, even in marriage, even watching it in marriage. Like, I can't like that there's there's no way biblically that we're going to be able to argue that Christ and the apostles are for that. I don't I don't think uh, I disagree if you guys want. And so but also I think as you just look at the culture of the first century, the Greco-Roman culture and the culture that Paul wrote into and that Jesus spoke into. And so he speaks into this in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, he ups the ante like we know that divorce is wrong. Like we know from the Old Testament. Or I'm sorry, adultery. that adultery is wrong. Pardon me. Um, that adultery is wrong. Um, yeah, divorce, but okay, and, and, adultery. And, okay, well, that's for NERA episode. Yeah. We'll talk about the, uh, divorce. But the adultery is wrong, that fornication is wrong, that sexual immorality is wrong, that this porneia concept from which we get the that Greek word porneia, we get the English word pornography from, it really encapsulates sexual immorality in the first century. So whether that was adultery, if you were married, fornication, if you weren't married, or um, emotion, like like a, a mental, emotional uh, sexuality that, that exists, uh, imagination, Just whatever. Interesting is why it's called porn. Yes. Right. As opposed yeah. to just called like sex, like watch people have sex, right? yeah. but it's not called yeah, it's, that. It's, it's pornography. Called porn. So it came from right. these, it's like, from these sinister roots. And so, and so Jesus, you know, the, the one argument I'll make just Paul writes about this in first Corinthians and first Thessalonians. I mean, just, it's very obvious that he's not compartmentalizing it to only an act of adultery, physically speaking, like that the pornea concept of sexual immorality that he uses there in those passages apply to mental sexuality and fantasy and, and, and everything that is outside of the bounds of God glorifying intimacy and marriage. Yep. Um, but when Jesus says that whoever looks on, I mean, he would have astonished his hearers in that day, the Sermon on the Mount, when he says, I think it's Matthew 5, but it's in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew mm-hmm. 5, 6, 7, that whoever looks on a woman with lust in her heart has committed adultery. That, that ups the ante so much so because adulterers, First Corinthians chapter uh, six, I believe, verse nine, ten will not inherit the kingdom of God. Like they're not, they're outside of the kingdom of God. Meaning, perpetual adulterers. Obviously, anybody can commit any sin, and and there's forgiveness. And but but when Jesus says this to them, the the society, especially the religious society of that day, would have looked at adulterers as so bad, like the woman caught in adultery in John sure. chapter eight. And what Jesus does, he really levels the playing field, and he's like anyone who has looked with not just not just a, a gratitude for for beauty. Like, you know, I, uh, I, I would argue that, that yes, I can, I can look at a lady and say, Hey, she's a, a pretty lady. Like, okay. Like we, we can make that argumentation, but when there is a imagination, a, a lustful intent in the heart, um, when lust conceives, James says it brings forth sin. Jesus says that's adultery. But he's not just, ex- he's not only expanding it in terms of the boundary, right? What's the rule or the law. Right. He's also expanding the goal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So he's, he's, he's saying, look, don't just follow the rule, go further than that. Right. That's yeah. why he's, he's, that's why he says you've already committed adultery, what in your heart. Yeah. And so he's expanding his purpose in his people that he's going deeper. It's not just, it's not even just about, do you look at pornography or not? Right. And that's the this point. This is a I much think. bigger conversation. Right. And I think that was the point of what Jesus is saying is not to make us feel more guilty about breaking more laws because now we're thinking, oh man, I don't cheat on my wife, but I did this. So now these are all these other sins to tack up because he knows all our sins are already paid for. What he's trying to do is what you're saying is make it a hard issue, make us know how to live in the future and stay so far away from 
all of these sins and things that can lead Absolutely. to sin. Because yeah. he's not trying to add sins to our list of sins because it doesn't matter. We already right. have plenty. And of he's them. also preaching to Pharisees who right. think that following the ten, exactly. ten commandments is all you got to do. Right. So he's saying, look, I mean, all of you need me. <laughs> That's yeah. what he's yeah. saying. But I, I, but I also appreciate the distinction specifically here is that um, this helps with this conversation that we're having in terms of deciding if pornography is wrong. Yeah. Right. Because it's, is anyone listening, looking at pornography and masturbating and not lusting? Yeah. Good luck. Okay. So it's just, I mean, and then even just, I mean, some people might say masturbating in general, or what if I'm lusting after my wife? Like, Mm -hmm. that's a whole nother question. I've got, I I mean, I have friends that have pictures of their wives that when wife's out of town, they masturbate to pictures of their wife. Is that okay? You know, so this, this whole, this, we're trying to define it for the Christian to say, hey, is it is it wrong? Yeah. And Jesus is saying, yeah, lust after another is equated to adultery, which is clearly wrong. So mm-hmm. yeah, let's draw the line there. But, but I think so. As as we shift from, I don't think there's too much argumentation to be made today. To Jimmy's earlier point of that's right, but just in case, I think we've kind of cleared the waters on it's not right. It's not right in society. It's not right psychologically, and certainly it's not right biblically. But now we start to shift toward, and I think what Jimmy said is so important, because when people come to me in shame, and I don't know how it is with you, Jimmy, but they'll come in, they'll be shame. It's almost like, I want to get rid of this instead of focusing on, like Christ talked about, right. we purify our home, but then seven demons worse than before come in, because it's not filled with love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yes. And that that gospel mandate that comes in, okay, yes, we're forgiven, we're cleansed. And so I want to talk about that. I also want to talk about, because we actually had a couple people from our church, a couple ladies say, my husband's addicted. How do I deal with this? Yeah. Well, so what you just said is people want to get rid of the consequence of shame, not no, not no. The they root they of the want problem. to get rid of the shameful a- activity, even. But but I'm saying they but, want to get rid of it so they don't feel the shame anymore yeah, and yeah. have to feel like that. Right. They don't They're necessarily want to get rid of the problem that they have, which exactly. is lust. You know, like yeah. lusting after someone other than your wife. Like they don't really want to get rid of that. They just want to get rid of like this activity because it causes this result. I feel like. But even still, right? So even still, it's not just that they don't want to get rid of the real problem, which is lust. I still think lust to me, let's think of it in terms of like, let's call it the sin tree. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So that my life has all these branches of different yeah. sins that I commit and they're wanting to cut off the branch instead of killing the root. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you got to think of it in terms of the root. You're saying that pornography is the branch. Lust is the root. I'm saying pornography, lust is all the branch and there's a root deeper than that. Right. Yeah. And I think that's what Jesus is statement in Matthew 5 gives us is like, what's the heart of your behavior? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the heart of your behavior goes even, it's, it's, listen, for just for disclosure, I was a sex addict for a long time, all yeah. the way into my marriage. So this isn't like, I'm not talking about this as if I don't, that's what I've you never experienced. This. That's why I care so much right. yeah. because I lived with the depth of this shame. I, I was married for five years before my wife even knew it was an issue. Yeah. Crushed her, crushed her when I told her, right? And, um, and then we had to work through it. I mean, we were a year, I mean, we didn't hold hands for eight months. Yeah. She was so crushed by this. So the, the way forward is not easy, just FYI. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've got to uncover these things. And that's for me, what it was, was this was, I, I've dealt with so many men and women at this point that are sexually addicted. And I will, I, I can say a hundred percent of the time, sex wasn't the problem. Yeah. Yeah. This wasn't about sex. People aren't looking at pornography because they're horny. That's yeah. not, I mean, they are. That's right. an, that is what's happening in the moment. 
but they go to it for some other reason. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's one of the pillars, I think, of yeah. the porn-free life that I talk about is uncovering the unseen. Yeah. We've got to peel the layer back and see where your heart is actually at. And so you can cut off the lust branch. And you said, we do this and eight more demons show up. That's exactly yeah. what happens. Well, I'm over here with the chainsaw cutting off the lust branch, greed, hypocrisy, all these other things are growing on the other side of the tree. If you get the lust, you're like, yes, I got the lust branch off. Crap. Look at this one. Yeah. Because yeah. there's a root deeper than that. And most people can uncover two, one, two, maybe three core roots. For me, it was just, I didn't think I was enough. That was the bottom line. I just, I, I feared and I worried what other people thought of me. And yeah. I began looking for that in pornography. What are you looking at? That's the question I would ask. I ask this all the time in the counseling room. Okay, so you're looking at porn. Cool. What are you looking at? Tell me yeah. specifically. Is it men and women? Is it oral sex? Is it, I mean, I've got clients that are looking at pornography of people having sex with their step relatives. Yeah. Why, right? Let your search engine open the door to why, right? What you're searching for is telling us a story. We've got to give that a voice. Yeah. There's something there. So I don't know. I, I, so you know what I begin asking? Tell me about your relationship with your mom. Let's talk about that. Because there's a reason, and, and that's the thing. We can't just covenant eyes this thing. Yeah. And start build it, like building boundary lines and just stopping the behavior. If you want true freedom, we've got to uncover the why. Yeah. No, I... I completely agree with that, and uh, I think it's. I know I'm I taking us. No, no, no. I, no, I think I'm just trying to push forward because this profound. is where this is where I. No, I, exist. I think there's two there's two questions that kind of hover over us right now, and the first you're starting to tackle, Jimmy, and that is, so so the second is going to be, and I want to get to it for those who ask. I have a spouse who's addicted. What do I do about that? But the first is I'm addicted, or even I'm a Christian. Maybe I'm not addicted, or maybe I don't want to admit I'm addicted. But what do I do? And I think the the easy answer is just cut the branch off. And that's not the right answer you're saying. Like that's, there, there's something deeper. There's a root that has to be gotten to. Um, because It'll work for a week. Yeah. yeah. It'll work for two weeks. It might work for a month, but it, you won't, it won't, it won't last. Yeah. So it really, I mean, what do you do is, is we have to, like, you've got to hear the gospel. Like uh, who wants to preach the gospel right now to, to who's listening? Like God loves you. He's given Christ for that, and that shame can be removed. So we, we've got to wrestle through that. We've got to wrestle through the shame. So figure that out. Listen here, come listen to a sermon, do some research, read some books, but get that truth if you want to stay in anonymity, because that's what, where most people are. They're anonymously addicted to sex. Mm -hmm. Deal like We've got to deal with the shame, and then that shame has to produce a fruit that I'm going to just say is community. Yeah. Okay. And that's the second piece. Like that's where finally for me, I, fa I tried to fast this thing out of me. Yeah. I told, I, you know, all you guys that knew me back in the day and I told you I was fasting for vision for the ministry. No, I was fasting because I was addicted to sex and I wanted to get rid of it. I fasted for 21 days, no food, juice only, lost weight, breath stunk, like the whole thing that goes when you fast for a long time. Right. Yeah. I fasted for 21 days asking and begging God to take it away. At the end of the 21 days, I was sitting in a dinner at Birmingham, Alabama, sitting at this dinner with all these other ministry leaders with crew. And I was sitting there ready to break my fast and God answered my prayer. And you know what he said? Go tell that man everything. And that was it. That's, that's what broke it open for me. 
And so I, there was a guy that I knew, I mean, in context, I trusted him. How do you choose who to talk to? Whatever. Yeah. I trusted him. I knew that he had experience in this area, all that stuff. And so I, I asked Joe Buke is his name. What's up, Joe? I asked Joe Buke, I said, Hey man, can we go grab breakfast tomorrow? And so over Cracker Barrel, which I didn't eat because I was terrified. Yeah. I've never told, I've told people, I told people, Hey, we pray for me. I'm struggling with lust. You know, nobody yeah, wants right. to, nobody asks yeah, a follow-up question. Easy. Yeah, that's easy. No yeah, one asks yeah. a follow-up question to that in an accountability group because they are also doing it and they don't want to be accountable for it, right? Yeah. So that's that's a big issue in the community we're in. But I, so I sat down with Joe and I told him everything that I could remember from the earliest, from when I was 11 and saw my first pornographic image in a Playboy magazine from my friend who took me up to his friend's stash. You don't have to, it's, it's crazy that you don't have to do that anymore. Like it was yeah, yeah. really hard to look at pornography when I was a kid. Yeah. Yep. From that moment all the way to to where it had escalated from. And that was it. But I had to, like, I had to see God's grace for me and my shame that gave me enough, just even if it was just a little bit, enough confidence to disclose my story to someone I could trust it with. Yeah. And then that opened the door. And then it, the then the work begins. Yeah. But that opens the door. That's so, what that's what has to happen. If if there if someone's listening, yeah, Christ loves you, believe that. Your sin doesn't separate you from God. He died for it. Just have faith in his sacrifice for you. Yeah. Find your identity in him and not in your failures. Yeah. And go tell someone. I think that's super powerful. I was going to say the, in some, I mean, like in summary of what you're saying and, and that, the identity piece, when I adopted my son Spurgeon, like he displeases me at, at times. Like he does things that really annoy me and frustrate mm -hmm. me. You mentioned about a parenting episode yeah. later on at some point. That'd be good. Um, but he's no less my son. And I think when I deal with, whether it's women who are, I don't, I don't, I haven't dealt a lot with, you probably have with ladies who are struggling with pornography use, but I have dealt quite a bit with guys and there's such shame that their identity in Christ as a believer, if they're a believer, their identity is so warped that there's no sonship there. There's uh, like, like, this is not a father. This is a tyrant who's upset at me because my porn use. Mm -hmm. And yes, like God is grieved with that, but like, if we're a Christian, there's sonship there and there is a, an alleviation of that shame, especially in repentance. And even in that moment of sin, whatever the sin might be, and not to minimize sin at all, but God's grace is so radical for us that we're still sons. We're no less sons. Um, and I think that's very important for the person here. So, so there was that, that piece. And then you were saying accountability, basically. Uh, I mean, accountability, I, I mean, it's just, uh, people hate that word. Yeah. I think they, accountability they, they, partners. it's community. It's <laughs> yeah. just, it's, it's, it's like having someone that you can say, dude, this is my mess. And then say, me too, bro. I mean, and not in the sense that we're all going to, but like, I'm more like you than I'm different. Like I know. That's yeah. what I was going to ask you. Like, what are the, what are the numbers on like how many guys admit looking at pornography? It's got to be huge, it right? Was, it was huge. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. So like for, for him to say something like me too, bro, is not that shocking of a thing for somebody to have also struggled with this at some point. 70% yeah. of men admit. Admit, right. Um, between eight, between 18 and 24 admit that they visit at least once a month. Oh, between okay. 18 and 24, 70% of American men admit they visit at least once a month. That's this is research That's from Barna or yeah. So the porn phenomenon is a yeah. good resource with okay. this stuff. So like there's like 150 pages of research that goes into ethnicity, age groups. Mm -hmm. I mean, all kinds of stuff. But yeah, I mean, a third of Americans are seeking it out once a month. That percentage goes to 51% if the answer is like less than once per month, right? So half of the Americans are looking at it at, at least a few times a year. 
if you admit will. looking at it. Admit looking at it, right? right? 13% of practicing Christians seek it out once per month. And here's an interesting statistic, and I think might get into what like, does seek it out mean versus what? Like versus stumble on it. Oh, so okay. like I'm online and then a pop-up yeah. comes up. It's like I went on and searched my search engine reflects that I was looking for. By the way, Jimmy, that was from I tried to do a lot of non-Christian research yesterday. So sure. that was from a site called Fight the New Drug. Yeah. Uh, you might have seen that, but seen them. they're not, I don't think they're Christian at all, but they're just basically saying this is, they say they're non-religious, non-profit, okay. but they're, they're basically laying out a lot of this stuff. So that's, that's, and there's that a lot of good research the that they've yeah. done on, on the yeah. human trafficking connections too. But uh, here's an interesting stat. One in five youth pastors hmm. admit, yeah. and one in seven lead pastors. And then, and then more than half of the youth, this is all from uh, Barna Research, uh, the porn phenomenon, more than half of the youth pastors and a third of the lead pastors would describe themselves as addicted. Of the people who admit Of the ones that admitted yeah. it. Wow. So of the one in seven... So, so basically that, one out of every 20 lead pastors is saying, I'm addicted to porn. Right. According to that, according to that research. Sure. Yeah. Because 33% they admit it. So one out, of, one out of 20, one out of 10 youth pastors saying, I'm addicted to this stuff. So this is... It's twofold, right? That's yeah. it, it gets to why I think... I mean, I, I, I would hope that that would help maybe someone say, okay, well, there's a good chance that... I'm not alone, right? Yeah. And then, but the other, yeah. the flip side of it is like, maybe this is why we're not talking about it in the church because- Oh yeah, yeah. You got pastors on stage preaching right. against, preaching that you need to give a tithe, but they're, yeah. right. they were looking at porn while they were preparing the sermon. So that, those are those are some good, uh, Pete, anything to add? I mean, to friend, I mean, like, obviously you're in a room, pastor and a counselor, but but you have friends who who struggle with this. I mean, anything that you would add to what Jimmy's saying about community and gospel I have to be honest with you, and I, I don't know if this is a reflection on me, but I don't have a lot of friends coming to me telling me I'm struggling with this. I really want to stop. Like the only friends that talk about porn around me are non-Christian friends that like think it's totally fine yeah, and normal and weird that I don't want to look at porn. Yeah. Like they think it's weird that I think it's wrong. I don't think it's a reflection on you. I, I mean, I, I think that uh, it's probably going to change once people listen to this episode because you're talking about it and they're going to be like, oh, maybe I should talk to him, you know? Yeah. I, it's just, it is. It's it's the shameful piece that no one wants to talk about mm -hmm. slash it's also an addiction. Yeah. Like a, like a kid, like there's a biological connection to it. So it's, it's one thing to overcome the shame. It's also another thing to overcome the desire. So I don't, why would I tell you about it if I'm addicted to it and I want it? If right. I tell you about it, I'm going to have to stop using. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. essentially, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. So there's two kind of barriers there. So people just aren't talking about it. But it, lots of people talk to me about it because I've stood up and right. like yeah. made it something, you know, like that I want to talk about. Yeah. And I share my story with it too, which is just, you know, yeah. the thing. I just care, right? So sure. I care about it. It's a mission for me to help others. So I'm going to tell you that I've been there. I want to help you get to where I've come to. So I think we started this episode with, looking at the fruit kind of dangling from the branches that you talked about, Jimmy, looking at loneliness and looking at, and, and Hey, it's nothing wrong with getting rid of rotten fruit. Right. Mm -hmm. But if that's where we stop, that's, that's, that's what we're getting at. If that's where we stop, the, the rotten fruit is going to kind of come back. Mm -hmm. The branches are going to foster again. Like there has to be a getting to dealing with this in an aggressive and forceful, mm -hmm. like redemptive way, like gospel centered way. Mm -hmm. And so, to kind of shift so that that's that's the advice we'd have and and i would i would just encourage people again i know jimmy's not here for self-promotion but find a counselor mm -hmm. like find somebody who who admits this who is going through this who's going to approach things from a gospel center but really a getting to the root of stuff um jimmy's a great resource there's other resources you can reach out um there's and one, and one of the reasons that i think like we promote him specifically on this episode for this reason is 
a lot of times it's a random site that you're looking up and you don't know anything yeah. about the person or anything. And we, like we do the lawyer, you know, YouTube, Yeah. like this is the guy, you know, now or know stuff about, shameless plug. you can sure. see, <laughs> you can see and hear, yeah, shameless plug for me, <laughs> but you can see and, and hear his story now. And this is why, like, yeah. he's a guy, you know, something about now, and you can understand where he comes from, how he's dealt with it, how he's helped people, how he's put out free resources. And now it's just easier to make the connection here as opposed to going to some random website, you know, yeah. or, or, or we're going to recommend some books, like some random book of the person you're never going to be able to speak to the author. Like you can watch his videos, read his stuff, and then reach out and talk to him and you see what he's about. It just makes it the connection easier is all I yeah. meant to bring. So that that, that's great. As a matter of fact, the two points Jimmy kind of hit on more the the things I'd written down that like have seemed to help um, those who are really struggling with this like long-term. So if that's you, get help, find community, understand, be renewed in the gospel. And and, and then start, and the, the, yeah. the third point is to start trying to, and I'll just use my language, uncover the unseen things. It's yeah. easy to see. I'm looking at porn. I shouldn't look at porn. Porn is bad. Cut it off. Stop doing that. But Why? That's, that has to, you have to uncover the why or you'll stay in it. Yeah. Okay. And Absolutely. that's, and that's it. I mean, that's just the bottom line. It's, it's, it, porn, sexual addiction, whatever is the front door into the house that we're going to set up shop in. Yeah. So we're just, it's the entry gate, but what has to be found? Like I said, mine was, mine was that lie. I just believe the lie that I'm not enough. And my pornography reflected that. My sexual choices reflected that. I was looking for porn, looking for sexual experiences that would speak to that lie. Tell me that I'm enough. That's every yeah. time, like if I, tell me I'm enough porn. That's what my, if that was like a thing you could search, that's what I wanted to find. And so that's, that's the thing. The plans matter. Covenant eyes, all those yeah, things, sure. they matter and they're helpful, but they're not, they're not going to solve the problem. Uh, so, final thing kind of just to land this spouses and it's not it's not just women. i mean i think i think typically at least once again in pastoral ministry typically it's ladies coming going my husband's addicted to this but from what we see statistically women are struggling with this women are addicted and maybe there's a husband out there maybe there's a husband who led his wife into this thinking mm -hmm. it was healthy for the marriage and then right. it, but whatever it might be like there's spouses that are really struggling with a husband or a wife who's addicted i mean there's been wives in our church from straight up have come and gone I don't think I can stay in this marriage or do I have sure. to stay in this marriage? Yeah. Like, I mean, well, you're connecting the lust back to adultery. adultery yeah. And is this the caveat? And it's not just like my husband stumbled upon this. Like you say, my husband is actively seeking this out. Like Keep I can't even leave him. the house. I can't even go to work, but I can't go to the grocery store because I know what he's going to be doing while I'm gone. So what? Yeah, it needs to be repentant. It needs to be acknowledged. But what is the wife the or the husband, the, the spouse who has an addict for um, or even somebody who won't admit they're not, but they're indulging in this. What did they do? Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, I, there's multiple ways to come at this in terms of what they do. I, I want to speak to the addict. Yeah. If they happen to be listening and say, like, don't minimize this. Because mm -hmm. a lot yeah. of, a lot, I get it, I get it a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm working with a, a, a couple now that he says he didn't commit adultery. All he did was went onto a website to meet other women. And then he carried out some messaging with those women over the last couple of years. And then he went on two dates. He never had any romantic connections, these kind of things. He would say, I, okay, like, don't, don't make, make sure you punish me for the right crime is kind of the way yeah. he would say, like, don't say I've committed adultery. I've been an unfaithful or betrayed my wife. I've just, I just flirted. I, I just, right. and I, I, I think just I, like, we have, like, like this just, it's not helpful. Yeah. That doesn't help. 
in the process of recovery. It doesn't show you want to fix anything. It doesn't, right. And so I like, don't minimize this. Let it be what it is. Yeah. Okay. You've turned away from your wife or you turned away from your husband and looked to something else and broken the vow of closeness and intimacy and oneness with your spouse. Okay. So you didn't have sex with another person. Great. I mean, I'm thankful because it may be easier to recover now, but let it still be a betrayal. Yeah. It's still a betrayal. And so I would say that to the to the one who is acting out in this way, and I would say that to the spouse who's asking for help. It's true. You've been betrayed. Yeah. And and I, I want to speak that because that is a breath of fresh air to that spouse who feels what they feel. And now I can affirm that to them. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to treat it that way. We're going to treat it as a betrayal. That's what it is. And so I, so then now we've got to work on it as if that's what and it is. that's the biggest so. problem with like the world's stance on this to me is it's like totally fine for everybody, totally easy to stumble into or whatever, seek out. And then really hard to point out as a problem for, I'll just say for women, because the conversations I've had have been with men. Like if any of these women said to these guys that talked to me about it, that it's a problem or they feel like they've been betrayed, it would be, they would be shocked and fall over at that you would even care what I'm looking at on my computer. Like, yeah. why do you even care what I'm... So that I think that is a hard question, especially for a Christian relationship. Like, it should be a little bit easier to point out that it's wrong, but the world makes it seem like such not a big deal that, you know, what do you, what do, you do as the spouse to be able to call attention to its seriousness if the addicted spouse just isn't seeing it as, as a problem? Yeah. I mean, this is classic Matthew 18 process, right? In terms yeah. of one-to-one and then bringing some other witnesses alongside. So I, I would say that to the spouse, like confront them. It sounds like if they're talking to you already, they've probably already talked to them, but yeah. I would re- encourage them back into that to say, look, this is kind of where we're at. This isn't okay. Um, this isn't gonna, we're not gonna treat this as normal yeah. in our relationship and we're gonna work on this. And maybe tell them how it's affecting you to try to get them together to talk to somebody like you. And, sure. I, and I'm kind of like a very straightforward person. So I've just told them, don't, settle for any compromise in this. Like, yeah. okay, you know what? As long as you don't do this, you can still do right. this that's sinful and wrong and somebody unhealthy for marriage. Like, right. don't settle for anything. Like, there, there's, no, there's no, okay, so he's at a nine when it comes to pornographic use. Don't settle for a three. Sure. Like, like none of it should be. It's not going to be healthy. It's not, it's not healthy for his soul. It's not healthy for your marriage. It's not healthy for your, I mean, like, nothing mm-hmm. about it. And so don't settle for that. I, I, I also, and I, I, just as we wrap down, I'd appreciate your thoughts on this, Jimmy. I've encouraged those women, and, and for me, it's been only women who have come with an addicted sure. husband. But I've encouraged them to find community, just like you're saying for the addict, like to find, oh. you know, I, I don't know if that you might oh, not, yeah, it exists. But, but, but say, yeah. hey, you know what? I mean, especially because some of these women are just reeling. They feel completely betrayed. Maybe like your they wife felt, you know, like they, they yeah, there's this that I, you know, I can't believe this going on. And there's, like they're so concerned for their husband, which that's legitimate and they want help for him, but like they need help themselves because of for sure. their life has been set on fire with this. And so well, yeah. and now they're dealing with everything else, right? Now they're, I mean, like women struggle deeply with body image. Yeah. I mean, it's a vulnerable place for a woman to be. And like, so now my husband's looking at other women. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just so. That seems so obvious to me. Like we have to say that, <laughs> like we have to say yeah, that to these no. guys. It's like, come on like that seems so obvious that the girls you're looking at in porn don't look like your wife how do you think that makes your wife feel like that just seems so that seems so tough it's a lot it's a lot to work through so it and that's why you can't settle for from nine to three like this is i mean 
the the spouse that's addicted to pornography, looking at pornography, whatever terminology we want to do, they've they've got to rid it. Yeah. It's got to go away. And it's not that they can't fail. I'm not asking people to be sexually perfect, but there's a difference between being in an addictive relationship with sex, especially unrepentant, and just walking in yeah. freedom. Right. You know, I mean, we. I, I'm gonna be get frustrated with my kid today. Right. I'm not a perfect parent, but it doesn't mean like I'm an angry person. Yeah. So that's hard work. Killing something like that that's that's risen up is hard work, um, and it's communal work a lot of times, like you said. Um, it's been a good episode, guys. A really good episode. I, I would just encourage uh, those listening to follow through now. Uh, seek help. Seek counsel. Seek community. Like like it, that needs to happen. It's so easy just to hear these resources and then just say uh, and move on. But seek help. Thanks again, Jimmy, for being yeah, on. Great Peter, to be here. always fun, man. Thanks for listening to Out of Odds. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere you listen. Out of Odds is produced by Building 28 Church and Podcast Royale. You can find out more about this show and Building 28 by visiting outofozpodcast.com. New episodes drop every Monday, and you can get each one automatically by subscribing in your favorite podcast app.